Advances in smart pump technology can improve patient safety and provide efficiencies in nursing care delivery. In this session, learn more about advances in technology that can help you work smarter, reduce errors, and better protect your patients. I'm Lily Jelinas, Editor-in-Chief of American Nurse Journal and your moderator for today's session. I'd like to introduce you to our panel. Susan Niemeyer is Chief Nursing Officer and Vice President for Clinical Excellence at Fresenius Cabby. And Brittany Sowers is Professional Development and Practice Specialist at San Luis Medical Center. Our objectives for today are discuss current smart infusion pump capabilities, discuss benefits and current challenges in the use of smart pumps, and describe innovations in technology that can improve safety, workflow, and usability while eliminating error-prone manual tasks. Before I turn it over to Susan, just to let you know that you can type your questions into the Q&A box at any time during this webinar. So I'd like to turn it over to Susan. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. I'm excited to speak with you today on infusion pump technology. Now, there is an ocean of material out there. And the last time I checked, and if you Google smart infusion pumps, you'll find almost 2 million results. So where do you start? And what's most relevant in today's digital and workforce-strapped environment? So we hope to provide a little clarity today. So we'll talk specifically about the current state of infusion pumps. We call them legacy pumps. They've been around for 20, maybe 30 years. And we'll talk about some of the safety concerns still plaguing the industry. In the second half of this webinar, we'll look at advanced infusion pump technology, what we may call as the next generation of infusion pumps and how they aim to um, impact safety, efficiency, and usability. So it's a really big topic today. We hope you walk away from today's session with something new, something interesting, at least we'll infuse you with knowledge. Um, we hope you at least have a greater appreciation of the subject. And speaking of infuse, IV pumps are, are among um, the most frequently used devices in healthcare with an estimated nine out of 10 patients receiving an IV medication during their hospital stay. Now, the traditional infusion pump was the first programmable IV pump with the capability to program a specific rate and a volume. So it provided just basic capabilities. And if you look at this list right here, it was not a lot. You know, an infusion rate of 0 0.1 to 999, some basic features like pause and standby and very few alarms. And, you know, you may actually remember using one of these traditional pumps if you're a certain generation. I know I did. Um, we also know they kind of got pulled out of the kind of closets and warehouse um, during the pandemic. Um, so you may have experienced them then. And these pumps were truly the kind of the workforce of um, infusion therapy for many years and really helped kind of really springboard us to next, which was smart infusion pumps. So smart infusion pumps um, were actually conceived in 1992 by Dr. Matt Sims at Mass General. And shortly after, 
drug libraries were introduced um, into the pumps that helped provide nurses the technology to deliver really highly complex therapies. And then, then in 2002, these pumps were first introduced and described by the Institute for Safe Medication Practices, ISMP. So really what makes it smart? So these pumps um, include a customizable drug library with dose error reduction software, DERS as we call it, it's the safety software. And that allows the nurse to choose a desired medication from an approved list. And then the pump does the calculation of the rate or the dose rate for the nurse. Now the safety software alerts the nurse if the calculated rate exceeds the acceptable dose limits. And so it also provides kind of a wealth of data often seen in CQI reports to help analyze um, drug library use. Now, smart um, pumps have been indispensable in the administration of meds and fluids and even blood. And so they help reduce the administration errors associated with miscalculated doses. They provide a check of the calculation, ensure that the dose selected is appropriate, and they allow nurses to recognize the programming errors and miscalculated doses through these alerts and stops and that safety software. So they would have um, otherwise caused patient harm, so they actually stop that. And as mentioned, they provide um, data on how the nurse actually programs the pump, and they provide an analysis of the information to help guide quality improvement efforts. But um, are smart pumps really that smart? So the data indicates that the, the use of IV smart pumps has reduced IV medication errors. However, the errors have not fully been eliminated. Now the literature review shows the use of IV smart pumps has not had a measurable impact on decreasing adverse drug events. And some of the issues you see here are why they haven't decreased those ADEs. The drug library has been bypassed. The hard and soft alerts are problematic. There's no assurance to the five rights, right? Right drug, right dose, right route, right patient, and right time, et cetera. So there are continued problems with the, the smart pumps today. Now, researchers at UMass Amherst, including Dr. Karen Giuliano and Dr. Jeanine Blank, among others, are doing incredible work in studying work and studying pumps and investigating errors with the current legacy pumps out there. Now, according to these researchers, common sources of errors include bypassing the drug library and programming errors. So if you look to your left, and if you remember, the drug libraries intends to provide a list of drugs in a specific care profile. And when we say care profile, that means you're in the critical care profile, so you can only deliver drugs that are appropriately for critical care or med surge, drugs in that area, et cetera. And then also the drug library should be doing these dose calculations for the nurse. And if the nurse is bypassing that, that's essentially, we call it the Wild West. They have, they're going back to those traditional pumps with none of the safety, um, safety software applied. And why they often bypass the drug library 
is just the complexity of the user interface, that UI on the pop, and the time it actually is required to program the drug, and the fact that the drug library may simply be incomplete. And we, you know, we know during COVID or during certain times, there is a back order of drugs or there's a short supply. And if you're um, you're trying to use the drug library and it's not there um, based on the order, that really creates a lot of confusion. And that's often reason why many nurses bypass that safety software um, and the drug library on the pump. Now, if you look to your right, the programming errors can result from actually incorrectly entering or selecting a drug a dose, a calculation, a rate, and a time. It's a manual process, and it can sometimes be very confusing because you're using these outdated menus, these complex kind of user interfaces. And then clinicians in busy nursing units are frequently interrupted and rushed during programming. Who isn't? And they often override those alerts, and they programming, they program the drug. Um, outside of the safety software, just because they're strapped for time and they have a lot of competing work demands. Um, and that's part of their daily practice. Um, so there, this is some of the issues on why there are continued programming errors. So let's look at kind of usability issues. Now, programming a smart pump requires a high level of cognitive demand because there are many steps the nurses um, uh, are required to do. And the nurses are often seen as that shock absorber between the device and the patient. And, and they're taking on all of this kind of this burden. And so we know this high cognitive demand compromises a nurse's ability to provide safe patient care. And some of the usability the nurses report actually include that the, you know, the key or the, the menus are and the key selections is terribly confusing. There's a lot of screens, they're giving every option available. And if you press something and it's not correct, it may provide an alarm and the alarm is a code and you need like, you know, a decoder ring to understand what that alarm means. So it's really not intuitive and clear about what is happening, where you are in that workflow. Um, there's also the problem with kind of numeric keypads. So if you want to program something like heparin, here we are, let's go back almost 20 years to those numeric phones that we had to text on. And if you were going to text on heparin, you would press four, four for H, and then E would have been a three, three, and then you go to the P, which would have been a seven. So you get the point. Talk about cumbersome and frustrating. And there's also, you know, the, the use of kind of these outdated menus that have the arrow up and arrow down, and it just takes forever to, to get through um, the programming. So something that could have taken maybe you know, five steps takes 25 steps because you're using all of the arrowing up and down. Also with the usability, the screen displays are frequently small. Um, so you have to come very close to the, the, the pump to program it, or they may be black and white. So if you're in a dimly lit room, um, it can be very challenging to see. And then following um, also, 
there are continued issues with um, the device being really too big. I mean, some of these IV pumps are over 30 pounds um, and we're always worried about kind of back injuries and, and harm to us as, a, as um, clinicians or they're too small and, you know, they're hard to manage. Think about it back to the, the phone analogy, the flip phones um, seem to get smaller and smaller and smaller until they're really hard to kind of really use um, until the smartphones came out. And then they had this big bright screens and they were a little bit more comfortable. The form factor in the hands seemed to make more sense. Now, in this all of this usability, I haven't even mentioned those excess um, alarms, which can lead to fatigue, which is another source of stress for the nurse. And all of these issues can be exacerbated in the critical care units like ICU, where nurses experience even more highly um, high cognitive drain and the pumps, um, the pump use is especially high, um, especially when you have multiple pumps um, compared with the, with the patient. And the, so all of this kind of leads us to why advanced technology is needed. Number one, to kind of lower the complexity, to lower the cognitive demand, to lower the potential for um, um, contributing to, to medication errors. So next, actually, let's talk about secondary infusions. And so secondary infusions or IV piggybacks are the most common method of administrating medications that are one-time use or intermittents. And these are often IV antibiotics or electrolytes or chemotherapy drugs. And many smart IV pumps, especially those that are linear peristaltic um, um, pumps, and those are the ones that have rollers over the tubing or squeeze the tubing, you know from our nursing fundamentals what peristaltic means, squeezing. Well, they actually require really specific setups um, to ensure that the flow is accurate. And nurses' knowledge of the setup is quite low. As a matter of fact, um, the pump actually requires you with these linear peristaltic ones, require you to set up the pump the height of the patient's vascular axis side or the heart. And less than 15% of nurses know that you have to set the pump up at the level of the heart. Also, the pump's IV bag height relative to the IV pump, so where's the first primary bag? And then the height difference between the primary and the secondary IV bags. Now, less than 5% of nurses know why you're hanging bags of your primary and your secondary differently um, and using those bag hooks. So if the height difference between the primary and the secondary is not enough, the secondary or that piggyback may not infuse. Or if you fail to unclamp the secondary tubing, you'll have you know, the delivery of the primary bag instead of the secondary bag. Who hasn't done that? If you hang the bags at the same level, you may have concurrent flow. And then when you do that, it's at a, a very much an unpredictable rate. And then finally, there can be residual medication left um, in the IV bag, a secondary IV bag. So it, and sometimes 20, maybe 30% of that really critical antibiotic is left 
in the bag often resulting in an underdose. So how many nurses listening to this webinar have encountered these issues? And I would presume the majority have. Um, and again, less than 5% of nurses understand why you need to hang bags in this matter for those linear peristaltic pumps. Now, if you fail to adhere to this very specific setup, all of this may lead to a very dangerous medication errors and deviations in flow between of what was programmed on the pump and what was actually delivered to the patient. Now, these medications are rarely reported. And the need of um, height differences, meaning the location of the pump to the patient and the location of the bags, and the lack of standardization of training and education regarding the, the reasons why you do this, and this high cognitive load all contribute to increased errors with secondary medication administration. Now, as mentioned, this is very complex and it's highly error prone. And here you actually see that um, the adherence to the require set, required setup is often not even possible in the clinical setting because of space limitations, height limitations of just the nurse themselves, and kind of the workflow and patient needs. Now, um, ISMP in their latest guideline recommended that the delivery of secondary infusions do not require height of the bags. And so if we review that um, guidelines, it's it's really um, it's a wealth of information about uh, what the next generation of infusion pumps should operate, really to kind of help alleviate nurses, but more importantly, to be much more safer for our patients out there. Now, healthcare was forever changed after the Redonda Vaught case, the former nurse uh, criminally prosecuted uh, for a fatal drug error in 2017. Now, this case gripped all nurses across the country and set a danger pre dangerous precedent of criminalizing the honest mistake uh, and, and the fact that she had reported this mistake. Now, the nursing profession is already extremely, extremely short-staffed. And, and this strain is, is, is causing immense pressure on nurses. We need to look at a more effective mechanism, bleeding edge technology to help support nurses. And we want to make sure that we give them the right tools. And, and when I say tools, it's not something to add to our existing tool belt, but something that's really invisible to us, but it's working in our favor to start taking away some of these tasks and that burden and the steps of managing technology. And let's have the technology work for the nurse. And so that leads me to the kind of the second half of our uh, webinar and really the need to make things better for nurses. So let's talk a little bit about advanced infusion pump technology. So we know the acceptance of the status quo has really gone on too long and actually it's no longer acceptable based on our current situation and our workforce shortages and the severity 
and the complexity of our patients today. Um, in an era where there is disruptive technology impacting every aspect of our life, from smart homes to smart watches to smartphones, um, infusion pumps built on this old legacy technology are negatively impacting us every day, and we need to, to think differently. So to move the needle on IV-related medication, there is a substantial opportunity for hospitals to adopt kind of the advanced infusion pump technology really based on that next generation platform that helps us improve the medication process, our clinical outcomes, um, reducing that cognitive burden and ultimately improving patient safety. So if you look at future pumps out there, I'd like for you to keep in mind these three pillars. Simplify, automate, and informed. To simplify, you want everything about the pump to be simple. And that's not easy because this is a complex medical device. Simple UI, take the nurse out of the mechanics, make the pump just work for the nurse. With automate, you wanna automate those steps that are often manual, and because they're manual, they're error prone. And then finally, you inform care. You empower us with the right information at the right time to make those right decisions. And we'll be just much more satisfied in um, the, the delivery of uh, medications by using that technology. All of this contributes to reduced IV medication errors and, again, much more satisfied nurses. So before we go deeper into these pillars, we should actually recognize that the FDA, the FDA also wants pumps um, to be cleared in this way. So um, having safety features that make it easy for the nurse to do the right thing, meaning it needs to have usability and human factors kind of throughout the workflow. And it's really kind of shocking today that pumps cleared prior, than, prior to 2014 didn't have this requirement usability. And so the FDA is really trying to kind of is, is forcing um, pump manufacturers to um, weave this in and have evidence that the, pay, that the, the usability is um, straightforward. It is um, very clear and simple to use. So let's go back to that pillar of simplicity. So today's technically advanced pump should reduce complexity in administering medications. They are designed with a very intuitive smartphone, a phone that we are all familiar with. We know this technology. So they have a smartphone-like user interface that guides the nurse through the workflow, especially those complex medications like bolus or weight-based drugs or drugs that you don't deliver every single day. So it's going to only step give you options relevant to that workflow, and that keeps you kind of zeroed in into the task at hand. And as I said, it has a smartphone-like user interface. It's bright, it's touchscreen, it's readable, readable from the, the, the doorway um, when you want to do a quick assessment, really without disrupting the patient. So again, think of that from a simplicity, bright screen, easy to work through, very intuitive, few steps. To continue on the pillar of simplification, 
So nurses should not be forced to manage a complicated setup or tinker with an infusion pump that's often disruptive, period. So the next generation infusion pump does not rely on the position of the pump to the patient's vascular access site, their heart, or the height of the IV bags to ensure accurate delivery. And the use of those really clumsy bag hangers to deliver a secondary infusion just simply go away. The pump also informs the nurse when flow is obstructed on a secondary line, such as a closed roller clamp, and in doing so, it avoids any delay of therapy. And the pump delivers the entire secondary, likely switches back to the primary, ensuring the entire prescribed therapy is delivered. Again, making this all easy for the nurse. A systems approach for infusion pump and tubing is that the primary and the loading of the tubing in an advanced pump should be easy. I say it is easy as inserting a credit card into a reader. So you should not require a nurse to thread IV tubing through these very narrow channels, close little clips, close the door, take that all away from the nurse. Actually, just make them as easy as that credit card into a reader. And the tubing and the pump should work in harmony. So the pump should recognize the type of tubing that's um, loaded into the pump. It should provide kind of workflow guidance based on the type of tubing. So if you actually put blood tubing into pump, it actually helps you deliver blood. All of this really creating these safety checks along the way. And, and this, along with the design of the tubing uh, itself, helps protect against free flow conditions, you know, and this is always a continued cause for patient harm. So, you know, the newest, most advanced infusion pumps should have, you know, should be designed to not even allow um, free flow to occur. Next is about time, and time is one of nurses' most valued assets. And the next generation infusion pump should decrease programming time. I want to say decrease programming time, because if you decrease time, you reduce the chance of interruption, which is when mistakes happen. And also, if you reduce the time, that reduces the likelihood that the nurse will bypass the safety software due to kind of frustration or constraints. So when you look at the next, um, um, your next infusion pump, really put this in play and really um, look at it from a time perspective to ensure that nurses are doing the right thing and um, unlikely to cause errors along the way. Next, let's go into our second pillar, which is to automate. Remember, automate is removing those manual and therefore often error-prone steps. Now, we mentioned the drug library from before and how nurses often bypass the drug library, that safety software. But with the kind of the advanced infusion pump, it should actually just default to the drug library. You shouldn't have to search for it. It should just be there as the, the starting screen when you program the pump. And it should be so easy to use the drug library. You don't even want to bypass also, the drug library should always be updated on those pumps. And so um, in the drug library, when I say update it, you shouldn't have multiple drug libraries in place at the hospital that could cause errors. 
And in seconds, um, you want to make sure that updates to the drug library are completely invisible to the nurse. So you don't want them accepting it and then rebooting the pump. That's unacceptable. You want it to happen just naturally. And you're operating the pump and bloop, the drug library is updated. Now, if you go down the stream of automation, the advanced pump should also sense when that downstream tubing is occluded. So it should recover when the obstruction is resolved. If the pump has a locking feature, remember the touch screen, that once you unlock it, your pin is paired with your care profile. And remember that care profile is either your critical care or med surge. So once you unlock it, you're already in the right care profile. Remember, you're taking away all those steps for the nurse with this type of capability, and you're actually removing the potential of an incorrect selection. So again, just making it easy from an automation perspective. In the line with you know, automation, nurses should not be spending um, time on the mechanics of setting up an infusion. You know, we are often seen as the bridge or that shock absorber between the device and the pump or the device and the patient. And, and actually, we should just throw that away. The pump should just work. So the next generation pump should actually measure fluid and automatically adjust to make sure the fluid and the, and the delivery is smooth and it's accurate under all real world clinical conditions. And when I say that is you don't need to kind of place the pumps at a certain height on the IV pump. You don't need to kind of contend with the bag heights. You don't have to worry about fluid viscosity because the thicker the fluid, you know, it takes longer to deliver. The pump should actually just recognize that and really push harder to deliver that to the patient. And the pump should actually recognize the type of IV tubing or the catheter size. So no matter the small bore tubing or if it's a pick line or central line, it should just accommodate based on those sizes and deliver the drug as what's programmed on the pump. And as mentioned, it should deliver the entire drug on the secondary, reducing the potential for subtherapeutic delivery, which could lead in some instances, especially for those antibiotics, any kind of antibiotic resistance. The holy grail is to integrate pumps to the EMR and integrating meaning that the pump and the EMR are essentially listening and talking to each other. We call it bi-directional. So they do this wirelessly and in doing so, it allows the pump to be programmed from the orders and, and enables all that medication data once it's programmed to automatically document in the patient's record. Think of it, you know, you takes you away from that burden of documenting or the burden of manually programming the pump. So, and in doing so, the next generation infusion pumps ensures that the least amount of effort should um, be in place to implement smart pump interoperability. We want to shorten those adoption times. We want to communicate directly to the EMR, making it easier build, to build um, interoperability and to maintain. And again, remember, once those orders are transmitted to the pump, because we already do barcode meds administration, we scan the wristband, we scan the drug. This time you just scan the pump. The orders appear on the pump. It's already automatically programmed for the nurse. 
And all you have to do is start. So it takes away time and the potential for those um, errors because it's a manual step. But again, it sends accurate and time-stamped infusion data to the patient's record, reducing kind of that documentation time and any potential for transcription errors or omission errors. How many times did you go home at the end of your day and remember that you forgot to document something? So this actually does the documentation for you, really creating an immense amount of benefit to the nurse. And also the third pillar here, informing decision. So the next generation pump, those advanced infusion pump technology, improves safeguards like identifying incompatible drugs or duplicate drugs, helping the nurse know of the potential issues. In addition, it has real-time feedback about what was programmed outside the values. So it empowers the nurse with the right information at the right time to make sure they're not contributing to any medication errors. And as you see here, you know exactly what's happening and you have the information to respond appropriately. You should also provide some remote viewing. Nurses can see from afar what's occurring at the bedside. Um, so they should see it on a tablet, on a phone, on a laptop, when the bags are almost done, any condition of an alarm going off, especially in those rooms in which the patient is in isolation. This gives you the right information before entering the room. And I, I see this as a win-win for both you as the nurse as, as well as the patient. And then finally, kind of the innovative advanced infusion pump um, provides prompts and notifications to kind of help guide on those really complex programming. So um, it aims to reduce those nuisance alarms and thus help an those annoying noise um, that we often are desensitized to. And it sends all that data to alarm management systems to help prioritize the alarm. It sends it to, a, you know, can send it to another person, helping reducing that fatigue and, of course, that patient dissatisfaction. As you look to technology to help solve problems, recognize that advanced infusion pump technology has the promise to solve ongoing medication errors and optimize efficiencies, all leading to patient safety. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And I challenge you to think different and to seek out the latest generation of infusion pumps that make it easy for you and your patients. I'd like to hand this off to my professional colleague, Brittany Sowers, who can describe how they recently deployed this technology. Brittany, off to you. Thank you. So um, I'm the professional development and practice specialist at San Luis Valley Health. Um, we were um, recently able to make the transition to a new pump system, which was awesome for us. And I wanna to talk to you a little bit about that journey. Um, first, I wanna to talk to you about kind of who we are. So we're located in Alamosa, Colorado. We're a small rural facility, only 49 beds. Um, when we started looking at what pumps we wanted to upgrade to, um, we really wanted to focus on safety and quality and what that would mean for 
our patients and our nurses who are at the bedside. Um, so with that, we wanted to make sure that any pump that we chose and implemented across our organization um, had the capability of a really good drug library, was super user-friendly um, and interactive for the nurses and decreased the workflow for our nurses, really so that it gives them time back to their patients. Um, so we looked at all sorts of different pumps. Um, we decided to go with the newest generation of pumps and we were very happy to be able to do that. Um, so with that, not all infusion pumps, of course, are alike. When evaluating the infusion pumps, it's important that safety is the focus and to discriminate between the legacy and the next generation pumps to make sure that you're getting really what you need. Um, by using an advanced infusion pump technology, nurses are more confident, they spend less time programming, um, they spend less time worrying about druggers and chasing those new alarms that we don't like. Um, they're able to stay zeroed in on their patients. Um, and furthermore, the technology advances medication safety by seamlessly adhering to the five rights, um, especially when documentation included. And as shared, there are numerous capabilities of the advanced infusion pump that can improve the medication delivery process, clinical outcomes, and ultimately patient safety. And we were so happy to be able to um, go through the journey of looking at all the different pumps and really um, getting to invest in the newer generation of pumps. Um, so the nurses are happier with these pumps. They're easy to use. The workflow is easy to use. Like many organizations, um, we have lots of travel nursing coming in, um, new graduate nursing coming in. And one of the things that they really enjoy about the pumps is um, they're easy to pull up um, that workflow. They're easy to integrate with the technology. Um, the buttons are easy to see and they know exactly what their patient is getting. And I will give it back over to Dr. T. Thank you, Susan and Brittany. We really appreciate your insights. And now we'd like to hear from you. Type in your questions in the Q&A box. We have our first question, and Susan, I think it will be for you. Modern electronics are much less costly than previous generations. Is that true with modern infusion pumps? You know, that's a really great question. And mm -hmm. I, I do believe that, you know, if you have a brand new or the next generation um, infusion pump out there in the market, you have to be cost competitive and you have to continue to kind of reduce the cost of ownership. I think that's critical for any device that's um, deployed in any U.S. hospital today. So, so yes, I would presume that the next generation pumps are, are you know, keeping cost in mind and critical that you do ask those questions to any pump manufacturer out there to ensure that costs are, are again, um, um, you're keeping the fact that every element of the, the pump and the features and the workflow safety kind of point to reduction of, you know, of cost overall. Thank you. 
Brittany, this is probably for you. What pumps did you use previously before your transition? Um, that's a good question. We used the um, plum pumps previously. They were quite old. <laughs> quite old. <laughs> um, Sue, perhaps to you, what is your market penetration with this technology? Yeah, I think uh, next generation infusion pumps were just recently released, so they're slowly but surely gaining a market traction. Um, so I don't have the exact numbers at my fingertip, but um, I would expect that they'll start hitting um, kind of the market analysis that you often see with either ECRI or CLASS, and you'll be reading about those. Um, I'm sure this year, if not, you know, they just are recently um, were deployed. So I think it's an exciting time for the technology uh, to get more and more in, into more and more hospitals. And um, the patient safety aspects are so important as well. Brittany, probably back to you. How long did your implementation take for San Luis Valley? You know, it went fairly quick. Um, so from deciding on which pump we were going to get and getting that purchase order through. Um, the biggest part was working with pharmacy and nursing to build the drug library to make sure that we had the tools at our fingertips so that when we went live with the pumps, um, they were ready to go. And then the education went fairly quick. We were able to do um, live education for everyone. And then within a week, um, in about half a day, we were able to deploy the whole fleet. So, Brittany, one of the, the clarifying questions here is how were the nurses trained to use the new pump? Can you explain your process, not just how long it took, but, you know, uh, education and training can be costly. We're taking staff out of the normal staffing rotation. How did you accomplish it? Yeah, um, so we went at a, a kind of a multi-pronged approach. Um, we worked with uh, the company to upload SCORM files into our learning management system. So our employees had kind of um, that background knowledge right away. They were able to go in, log into their learning, go through um, and see what the pump was going to be about. Um, there was interactive buttons with that so they could kind of play with it in a virtual setting. And then we had a, a huge skills fair and we brought everybody in um, to sit down and have a hands-on training that was about an hour long with the company, people who were amazing and wonderful. And that went really beautifully to have all those people get that hands-on um, training and be able to ask real-time questions and get them answered right away. And then when within a week's time, we have the, the pumps out and on the floor for everyone to use. It sounds really efficient. Brittany is, uh... Are, are the pumps being used throughout the hospital? Does anesthesia use them, for instance? Our pumps are used throughout the hospital. Um, our anesthesia group, they do use the pump a little bit. They have one. Um, they generally they like to push their own meds and use um, a, one of those syringe pumps. But they've, they really do like the new pump. Um, we're starting to get them on board with using it more and more. Great. Um, Brittany, have you been able to uh, create a return on in investment number yet on your savings? Um, 
This question is very specific on how much savings by getting infusion to empty no doses delayed. Yeah, um, you know, it's still really early in our investment to have that good return. We know that nurses are spending less time having to manually calculate out drugs, and we know that our efficiency of getting the pumps programmed faster, um, we can see that return instantaneously, but to put a number on that is hard. Right now, I'm sure it's hard, and you know, the um, you know the, the quantitative is one thing, but the qualitative impact, the satisfaction of the staff, and the impact on patient care is sometimes a little harder to, uh, to calculate over time, but I know you've already talked about how important that is. So because we keep talking about this term interoperability, can you explain that term and what it means, including auto programming and documentation? Sure thing. Um, so interoperability is essentially the ability of the pump and the electronic record to essentially listen and talk to each other wirelessly. So this communication between the pump and the EMR allows the pumps to be programmed from a provider's order. And when it's programmed, you know, there's a lot of benefits. It reduces that time and that, you know, we're all conscious of time. So no more time consuming and it's often error prone when you manually program an infusion pump to automate that it just kind of takes that all away. Um, and again, it's from those providers orders. In addition, all that data goes and flows into the patient's record. And so I don't think any nurse here loves to document. <laughs> I know I did not, um, but it really does the documentation for him or her. And so it kind of eliminates the transcription errors or emission errors. I don't think any nurses, we all had those experiences in which uh, we get home at the end of a long 12 hour shift and remember that we forgot to document something. So um, it takes care of it for us. So great benefits in both sides. Sounds like it. And Brittany, it sounds like you've had a tremendous experience. The staff has had a great experience with the new pumps that were implemented. Here's a great question. Besides integrating to your electronic medical record, do you also have notifications sent out to mobile communication devices? Not yet at this time. Um, we're still working towards integration, so we haven't gotten there yet. So have you used some of the integration features of the pump or you're still working on that, just to be clear? Um, in a way we do. So we do have the patient list pull into the pump, um, but we don't have that documentation pull over yet. Here's another great question. As you know, especially with the pandemic, there has been an exponential use of travel nurses, and this question relates to somewhat of that. Have, has San Luis Valley taken advantage of the resource library to help new nurses and travel nurses with the ability to have drug information and protocols right on the pump? That is a great question, and yes, it is really nice to be able to be working with the pump and have that information right there. And with our travel nurses, um, since the pumps are so intuitive and we do have a lot of that, you know, travel nurse incoming and outgoing, they, their feedback we've gotten from them is it's just so easy to use. Like they can get into it and it just pull, like it's easy to navigate. 
great. Um, Brittany, it looks like there's a question. What is the pump manufacturer name that you purchased? Um, Ivanex 5 Fresenius Cobby. Ivanex 5, okay. And Brittany, staying with you, how should we convince hospital administration to buy this newer technology since you've had such a good experience? Really, there, there's kind of a two-pronged approach to that is looking at the cost benefit, um, really getting that return on cost with interoperability and a seamless workflow, reducing the time it takes for the nurse to be at the pump and more at the bedside is huge. And the other thing um, that really helps is that safety feature. Everybody in healthcare is at the goal of taking the best care of their patients in the safest environment. And that was a big seller for um, our administration is that we would be able to present with them with the safest technology out there. Do you have examples of outcomes related to efficiencies in workload, patient safety, or cost? I know you said that you're still working on the ROI from a quantitative standpoint, but do you have any other outcomes you can talk about since you're very early in implementation? We appreciate that. Yeah, one of the examples we have um, for just ease of outcomes is heparin and our with our older pumps, we were having to do a lot of manual calculations and a lot of times the nurse, you know, are having to go between the MAR and the book and the order set and doing the math and getting another nurse to do the math. And of course that takes a lot of time. And with this new setup, we're able to have it all just program right in. You can double check it right there. Um, it gives you everything you need at your fingertips as well as parameters. You can see right on the pump, like what's safe and what's not. Uh, I guess to, let me see, I don't know which one of you want to take this one. Are all EHRs accepting of smart pump documentation? I'll give, it, I'll give it a try. Okay. <laughs> I, I think uh, it depends. Um, it depends because there are some EMRs that are familiar to this audience, probably the Epics and the Cerners or the Meditechs, which are probably about 80%, if not 85% of all U.S. hospitals use um, one of those three EMRs. Um, it's when you start using an EMR that um, hasn't really thought about integration at its core or maybe a homegrown EMR that um, doesn't have the capability, again, basic fundamental capability built in. So it really depends. And so I would presume the majority do who are, who are on this call, but, you know, there are always the, the outliers that we would have to investigate um, very closely to see whether the capability is existent in the in the EMR that they use today. Great, thank you. One of our audience members wants to hear more about pump programming. Is it all through wireless connectivity? And if that's not completely up and running, is it done manually on the screen? I'll take that one. I think it's a. Uh, from what I can gather from the question, it might be about it. It might be about interoperability. Um, and in this case, um, if you're interoperable, again, those um, providers' orders actually program the pump for the clinician. So when you are at the bedside and you're doing barcode meds administration, you would add the 
um, scanning of the pump as that third item in the BCMA process. And in doing so, it makes that association. And again, the pump and the EMR talk with each other and the pump is programmed based on those orders. Um, if you do not have, of course, interoperability today, um, certainly manual programming should be kind of the, the second way to, to program the pump, but clearly to keep um, medication errors um, low and to standardize the workflow. Uh, their interoperability is your holy grail where you want to get to, um, but you know, manual program is, is a second alternative if necessary. So even if the integration features and some of the interoperability features aren't fully implemented, can next generation pumps actually reduce time and steps for the nurse? Because we know that's really important, isn't it? Yes, I, 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 you know, time is one of our most valued assets as a nurse. And there is a lot of evidence coming out in the market today that talks about the next generation pump and how they are decreasing time in programming. And as I mentioned in this webinar, you know, when you decrease the time in programming, it has two benefits. Number one, it decreases the, the chance that you'll be interrupted while programming the pump. And that's often where mistakes happen. And of course, um, you know, it also helps you reduce the likelihood of bypassing the patient or the pump's um, safety software. And so those are the benefits of why you want to keep time and those steps in mind as you're programming and, and look at the most efficient way to actually program the device. So, Sue, when you were discussing the guidelines for next generation smart pumps and the three pillars that you highlighted and noted, and the automate pillar, you noted how newer pumps can shorten interoperability implementation. How does it do that? How does it really shorten it? Yeah, so think of it as um, if you were building a brand new house today, your new house would be up to the latest code, latest standards with the most, you know, up-to-date, you know, plumbing and electrical and, um, you know, heating, cooling, et cetera. The same thing with infusion pumps. The next generation pumps are really built with interoperability in mind. We know three out of four hospitals want to go up on interoperability in the next three to five years. And if you're thinking about that from the ground up, you're likely to kind of, um, you know, um, the capabilities in hand to do it more effectively. So you want to decrease the time in which you, um, you know, adopt interoperability. You want to make sure your testing is automated because testing is a big component component of interoperability during the implementation phase. So every element of that implementation needs to be kind of shortened, tightened, more, you know, using technology that we use today to make sure it's, you know, um, it's structured and standardized and, and it's done quickly. Thank you. Brittany, back to you. Did San Luis Valley use the ADT feature before going interoperable or did you just go directly to interoperability? We currently use the ADT feature um, before going to interop, yes. The answer is yes. Is having the web-based software helping not only nursing, but what about the impact on pharmacy and biomed to help getting real-time infusion data? 
it is really nice um, to have that sort of software. So pharmacy, if they need to make a change to something, and especially right now in this climate where there's so many drug shortages, and sometimes they can only get in what they can get in, um, they're able to make a, a change to the drug library. And within five minutes, all of the pumps are updated. And there's none of this like having to run around and manually like get the pumps that update. And so it's really nice. That just reminds me of something that you were both emphasizing during the webinar, make the right thing to do, the easy thing to do. And that's what it sounds like. <laughs> Brittany, staying with you is your team valued seeing the hard, soft limits visible right on the screen while programming. What do they say? They do like it. Um, it helps, especially in those areas sometimes if you're giving a medication that you're not terribly familiar with or that is new to you if you're a new grad and you're like, this is your first time giving it, you're able to just right there on the pump know, well, I'm getting close to the soft limits or I'm getting close to the hard limits and going out and seeking either other advice or talking with your physician and saying, hey, we need maybe another layer of medication with this because um, I'm getting close to my limits instead of having to constantly go back and find either your reference online or in the book to see where I should be at. It's, it's been huge. So to, to both of you, can the pumps be used manually uh, in terms of programming in the event of downtime. Yes. Dreaded downtime we've all experienced. <laughs> they should, yes. <laughs> yes. I think um, if the device isn't built that way, it's not built the right way. So I would hope so. And, and Brittany, you can give your experience of that. Yes. Um, so we're in a small rural community and we have a lot of different um, power surges and outages. And so we mm -hmm. sometimes have some downtimes that come at us unexpectedly and we have no problem at all. Everything still works seamlessly even in downtime. So Brittany, here's a, a question from SSM Health. Uh, not getting into specific names of vendors, but how many different pumps did you evaluate when you were looking to go to a smart technology type system? We looked at four different companies. Um, we had them all bring in uh, their vendor reps and demo for us. We had um, different groups of people. We had both bedside and administration kind of look and see which ones would best fit our facility. So you really did usability testing at its best. So those that had to use it and uh, the administrators that had to oversee the purchasing process? Yes. You know, that's one step that sometimes is not done. Um, is usability step, uh, testing so that the front line is involved in the decision making. And I think you said it took about a, a week to train the nurses and the teams that had to use the technology? With the hands-on, yeah. We had the online training out for about a month and then hands-on training um, integrated in for about a week and then we were able to get everybody up and running. It was really pretty seamless. Terrific. Well, Sue and Brittany, I want to thank you for an informative conversation about smart pump technology. To our audience, if we were unable to get to your question, please email us at webinars at healthcommedia.com. As a reminder, this webinar will be available on demand at myamericannurse.com. Thank you everyone for joining us. Bye-bye.